Well, good evening. This evening, we continue in our series of studies from two weeks ago in the book of Nehemiah. We come to chapter 6, and I really like chapters 4 and 6. I like all the chapters, but chapters 4 and 6 are really interesting to study, and especially chapter 6, because it has so much to do with the opposition that Nehemiah faced as he tried to lead the people forward in building the wall around Jerusalem. And as we saw in chapter 4, there was so much in the way of opposition. The enemies were relentless. They, they just didn't stop. And as I look at our world today, it's pretty obvious that the enemy is relentless. He just doesn't stop. And sometimes you can just throw your hands up and say, oh, what's the point? And you can get discouraged. But I just want to remind you, we've read the end of the book. We know who wins, amen? God is in control, and, and this is just a heroic chapter because for five chapters, we've seen all of the challenges, all of the difficulties, all of the desperation of the people of God in needing these walls rebuilt so they can be restored as a people. And we get to chapter 6, and the enemy increases the opposition to a fever pitch, and then Nehemiah and the Jews complete the wall the wall of Jerusalem, despite all of the opposition. So it's a heroic chapter. It gives us a a viewpoint that we should always have, that God is in control and that he's always victorious. And then when he leads a man or a woman to do something, he will be faithful to complete it, right? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we are so grateful for this encouraging chapter. We ask that as we study the attacks of the enemy, that Nehemiah had to deal with all of the opposition, may we, by your your Holy Spirit, be able to make application to our own hearts and all of the difficulties that we're facing personally, also in our world, as the church, but also in our culture as Americans. We ask that we would have a better perspective and we would have the kind of perspective that we, we claim the victory by faith, that we know that, God, you have given us the victory and that we need only trust you and walk forward into the victory that you've called us to attain. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start by looking at chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to break down each of these attacks. And there are just so many. They're relentless. It's just one after the other after the other. And it starts in verse 1 of chapter 6. We read there, When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. By the way, if you're ever asked to meet at a place called Ono, probably say no, right? I would say that it's pretty obvious what they're up to, right? I mean, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that they have not succeeded in discouraging Nehemiah. So now they want to meet with him privately somewhere in some village on the plain of Ono. So uh, we, we kind of know that one of the things the enemy likes to do is to isolate us. And once he does, I mean, look what happened during the pandemic. Tactical, a, a tactical uh, strategic attack to isolate people. And when you do that, you oftentimes can get the victory when you isolate and alienate people from one another. 
So here's the plan. That's what they're hoping to do. I don't know why they would even think that Nehemiah would listen to this, but that is the first attack. Nehemiah was invited to meet privately with the enemies of the Israelites. Now, Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem, these, these individuals were enemies of God and his people Israel. We saw this in chapter 2. We saw this in chapter 4. We've been introduced to these individuals before. They had a vested interest in keeping the Jews who returned to Judea in trouble and living in disgrace. They wanted them to fail. They wanted the wall of Jerusalem to remain broken down and burned with fire. And they had mocked and ridiculed the people of Israel and even accused them of building the wall so that they could rebel against Persia. Now, they tried to instill fear and self-doubt in those that had agreed to do the work. We saw this in chapter 2. They questioned their loyalty to the king who had approved and provided for the work. So they're doing everything they can. There's a smear campaign going on here, and they're really trying to, more than anything else, discourage the Jews from rebuilding their city and starting with the wall. Now, Sanballat and Tobiah had ridiculed the people of Israel in chapter 4 as well. They even doubted their ability to rebuild the wall. They made fun of them. They mocked them. In fact, we're told there in chapter 4 that Sanballat was extremely angry when he heard that the Jews were rebuilding the wall. And he tried to discourage those that were doing the work by publicly mocking them. Listen, listen, the enemy, we talked about this in chapter 4, the enemy will publicly mock in order to get you to back down. That's why you have to determine now to not care what people say about you. You've got to determine now that if, for some reason, I don't know why you would be, but if you were on social media and posting your opinions, if people disliked you or canceled you, you wouldn't care. If people say all manner of evil against you, you don't care. Now, that's not to say we're abrasive or we look for problems, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you really care what the world thinks about you or what you believe? I hope you don't, because you know what they think about you. They want to shut you up. So we saw this, and just as a recap, they were trying to get them to stop. And if the devil can get you to stop going to church and stop sharing the gospel and stop doing the things he's called you to do, stop serving in ministry, stop going on missions trips, if he can get you to stop the work he's called you to do, well, that's a victory for him. But we're not going to let that happen because we're going to trust God. Amen? And so they continued, and, and, and it's, what's wonderful about this book is with all of the attacks, they never stopped, as we'll see. So they also questioned their ability. The enemies questioned their ability to rebuild the wall, doubted that they could even complete the work. And Tobiah, supported by Sambala, and he supported him by mocking the builders and criticizing their work. Have you ever been criticized? Sometimes when people don't want to hear what you have to say, that's what they'll do. They just criticize you, call you names maybe, say you're a hater or, you know, the things you believe are, are hate speech, you know. Actually, it's the speech of love. God loves you. But you say that and somehow you're a hater. And you hear that from very hateful people, which is kind of ironic. But Sambala, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the men of Ashdod, they had threatened the people of Israel in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 as well. They were very angry when they heard the Jews were rebuilding the wall and closing the gaps. So they plotted together to attack Jerusalem and cause trouble for the people. So now they were living under the threat of attack. We saw that again in chapter 4. But Sambalat, Geshem, 
They send a message in, in chapter 6, which we've just read, inviting Nehemiah to meet them on the plain of Ono. They heard that Nehemiah and the builders had succeeded. They had succeeded in rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. So all that mocking is now turned into, well, you know, let's just meet privately and talk about it. Because they, what can they say? Everything they said was a lie, and you need to know what your enemies say about you and about the truth is a lie. The enemy lies, hoaxes, fake news, lies. That's why you can't listen to that stuff. You just need to know the truth. By being in God's word, you'll know the truth. By hearing God's voice, you'll know the truth. And what do we know about the truth? The truth will set you free. Amen. So, they heard that they were succeeding. There were no gaps left in the wall. The doors were about to be set in the gates, and that meant that they were just about done. Not quite, but just about done. The enemy takes one more swing. Actually, not one more, several swings, as we'll see. They wanted to meet with Nehemiah in an isolated village. It's not hard to imagine what their plan was. But Nehemiah knew that they were just scheming to harm him. Look at the latter part of verse 2. It says, but they were scheming to harm me. He knew he's not stupid. Do you know that the devil has schemes? In fact, the scriptures tell us we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. What are the devil's schemes? He wants to harm you. Do you understand that? He wants to harm you, destroy you, destroy the work of God in your life, ruin your testimony, destroy your family, harm your children. It's not hard to imagine the modus operandi of the enemy. He wants to destroy you. So why would you give him the time of day? I don't understand why people bother even debating individuals who are clearly demonic. I mean, why waste your breath, right? Like, why, why even take the time to get into it? I have seen many faith leaders get baited into this idea of getting on a panel or speaking on some television show or cable network news program and they're really kind of stepping out on the plane of Ono. I mean, they're really stepping into a situation where they are isolated. Um, They control the airwaves, and they put you on this situation. They might as well hit you in the face with a a custard pie. I mean, they've got you where they want you. Why would you put yourself in that situation? Let them come into the church if they want to hear what we're going to say. And I'm not saying we don't say it in the public square, but when you enter their arena... It's like being in the gladiatorial games. I mean, you are literally putting yourself there. And if God doesn't send you, don't go. Don't go. Because it's a trap. It's always a trap. You need to understand that. It's always a trap. I see people go on that crazy show, The View, which I don't, I don't watch. And I think to myself, you're a conservative or a Christian and you go on that show, you kind of deserve the beating you get. Because, I mean, really? Seriously? So when I look at this, I realize he was smart enough to realize that the enemy wanted to harm him. Please be smart enough to realize that. If you realize that, you're not going to put yourself in the situation where you can be harmed, right? We used to say in the 80s to drugs, we used to say, just say no, right? Well, I would say it this way. When the enemy looks to isolate you, to get you out of the place of strength spiritually in your life, say no. And that's what he did. So, 
They wanted, yes, very smart. They wanted to meet Nehemiah in an isolated village, and he knew they were just scheming to harm him. It's interesting, one little comment we studied two weeks ago in chapter 5. Did you notice when we were here, if you were with us, in chapter 5, that the enemy was strangely quiet in chapter 5 because they were dealing with internal problems? It's like the enemy just kind of backed off. Well, why? Because they had problems they had to deal with. There were recent challenges and All these were recorded in chapter 5. There were internal challenges among the people of God. They didn't have to do with the enemy. And you know what the enemy does? Sometimes he sets a plan in motion and just backs off, and he'll watch and let us defeat ourselves, tear ourselves apart, rip ourselves to shreds. Oh, then the enemy's quiet as a church mouse. He's quiet, but let the people of God come together and start to accomplish something in his strength. Oh, the enemy has a lot to say, and his plan... Well, he tried to take out Nehemiah. But nothing will bring the immediate attention of your enemies like success. That is when you are at your most vulnerable point. Because you're on a euphoric high, everything's great, success, success. And that's when the enemy takes the shots. And we oftentimes let our defense down. We let our guard down when things are going well. You know that we do. Well, not Nehemiah. And I love that about this man. As Nehemiah was completing the work that God had called him to do, his enemies tried to harm him, and our enemy will try to harm anyone who will complete God's work and be successful. So a person that completes God's work will withstand the harm of God's enemies because they trust in God. You're going to have to deal with the the shots. They're going to come your way. Well, look what happened next. Let's let's look at what Nehemiah did in verse 3. Here was his response. Nehemiah confidently answered the enemies of the Israelites. Here's what he said. So I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should I leave the work, or why should the work stop while I leave it, to, uh, leave it and go down to you? I mean, it's just a great answer. It's like, I'm busy. Sorry, busy. I'm in church on Sunday. You know, it's, it's interesting because so many times the people of God get in trouble because they get invited to something, right? Oh, it's just a party, you know, some people at work. It, oh, it happens to be at a bar, but there won't be too much drinking. We all know how those stories end. They don't call it happy hour because it's all that happy. So you need to understand, like, you put yourself in a situation like that. I can remember when I was a, a young Christian, I was coming out of that lifestyle. And, and, you know, sometimes at work on Thursdays, people would go out and, you know, if you didn't go and the bosses were there, you weren't viewed as a team player. And so, you know, I remember there was, I don't remember the name of this place. Everybody used to go there on Thursday and kind of made it clear for the sake of your career, you should at least show your face till about seven. I don't know if you guys have ever had to deal with this, but we had to deal with this back in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, so I went one time as a Christian and I hated it. And I said, this is not the place for me to be. And I never went back again. And people asked me, oh, you don't go to those things? I said, no. Well, what about your career? I was there for 20 years. God had my back. I didn't need to go ahead and put myself on the plane of Ono. I didn't need to go out there and place myself in a a place that clearly, if I'd gone there week after week, I was going to make myself vulnerable. I was doing a good work, God's work. Why should I take my time that the work should stop so I could put myself in a place where I could be harmed? And that's how you need to think about the attacks of the enemy. When he seeks to get you into a place, a vulnerable position, 
or put you on his territory, you need to just say, sorry, busy, not going to be there. Well, you know that could hurt your career. Yeah, you could hurt my spiritual life more, so I'll leave it at that. Well, Nehemiah confidently answered them. He boldly rejected their invitation to meet privately with them, and he made it clear to them that his priority was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Remember, that's what Nehemiah was called by God to do. And he refused to meet with them because it would hinder that work from continuing. Never do anything knowingly do something that will hinder the work of God in your life. Sometimes things happen you can't control. But when you accept the invitation or put yourself in a situation where the work of God in your life is hindered, who do you have to blame but yourself? Well, Nehemiah was a wise man. Well, then we see the enemy didn't just say, oh, guess we can't get to this guy. They didn't just back off and say, well, that didn't work. No, the enemy is relentless. Because in verses 4 through 7, Nehemiah was pressured to meet privately with the enemies of the Israelites. They didn't take no for an answer, and the enemy won't. Look at verse 4. Four times, we learn, they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. I love that. You can, you can keep asking over and over and over again. You're just going to get the same message. And one of the things that I, mean, I noticed with parenting, and when you spend time with kids, if you don't stay consistent with your answer, like no means no, and yes means yes, inevitably they'll ask 100 times, because maybe on time 88 you'll buckle. So you have to really just continue to give the same consistent answer. And when you do that, people know you mean business. In fact, I remember one, of, one individual I was working with in ministry, uh, I was known for, like, if I said no, I meant no. Okay, And the person was trying to convince me to change my mind. And the opening line was, well, I know when you say no, you mean no. The follow-up to that was, but could you think about blah, 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 blah. You know. I said, well, I'm glad you know that my no means no, because it is still no. And then the fifth time. Notice that, after four times, then the fifth time. And, and then they amp up the pressure. Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter, in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed the prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. They're trying to, to get him in a place of anxiety so that he'll try to defend himself. They're saying things that aren't true, so he'll open up his mouth and say things he doesn't need to say. It's one of the things I remember reading in A.W. Tozer's writings. One of the things, and I love A.W. Tozer, he's he's someone that if, if you've never read, you need to. He always made this point, when you're attacked, never defend yourself. Now, that's a verbal attack, okay? Never defend yourself. In other words, don't bother. Don't, don't bother going, you know, tit for tat. Don't bother, you know, what are you talking about? Who, who, who said that? What do you mean, you know, once you get into that, you're done. You're done. So Nehemiah, it's the fifth time now. And, and this time they're, they're kind of like pressuring him and, and using intimidation and 
really trying to get at him. But he rejected their repeated invitation four times in the same way. And then when Sanballat sent the fifth message, the fifth time, he invited him to meet on the plain of Ono. Sound familiar? Yeah, it was the fifth time he said it. They're hoping to wear him down. And I'll tell you something, that's exactly how the enemy works. He's going to try to wear you down. This is why your no needs to be no and your yes, yes. This is why you need to not buckle after the third time and stand your ground. Now, Sam Ballot sent this unsealed letter, and the letter was really accusing Nehemiah of rebellion through innuendo. There was no proof, but it was suggesting that he was going to rebel against the king of Persia, who paid for all of this. Okay? The rebuilding of the wall and Nehemiah and everything else. He suggested there were rumors. By the way, rumors, ignore them. If someone says something about you that's unproven, just a rumor, pretend it doesn't exist. Don't even entertain it. If you receive it in email, delete it, and then delete it out of your trash. So you can't go back and read it. If they leave a voicemail, delete it. And then delete it on the server so you can't go back and listen to it. Because rumors are designed to wear you down. Just ignore them. He suggested there were rumors that Nehemiah and the Jews were plotting to revolt. That's why they're building the walls, right? And of course, Geshem confirmed these rumors, right? He's about as trustworthy as CNN. So Geshem had apparently confirmed these rumors, and this was believed to uh, be the real reason they were rebuilding the wall. Now, he suggested that there were rumors that Nehemiah is about to become king as well. Don't you love these rumors, these hoaxes, these fake news articles? It's just amazing. They'll say anything about you, and if you respond to it, you give it credibility. If you simply said, this isn't true, that's it. Let it die. Don't feed it. Don't give it oxygen. I mean, if you start defending yourself, you'll look guilty. Well, Nehemiah was believed to have appointed prophets to proclaim him king of Judah. And Sambala threatened to inform the king of Persia. What a tattletale, right? Character assassination, right? He was going to inform the king of Persia of these rumors. And that's all they are if he didn't meet with him. So just meet with us, and we won't do it. Pressure. Well, as, as Nehemiah was completing the work that God had called him to do, his enemies tried to pressure him. And that's what pressure looks like. And you know what pressure looks like. When you're being pressured to do something that's wrong or sinful or against God's word or something that's going to bring you to a place of spiritual or physical harm, you know that pressure can really become intense. Our enemy will pressure anyone who will complete God's work. You'll be pressured. A person that completes God's work will withstand the pressure of God's enemies. Now, I want to mention three little words, because this will help us when we get pressured. Nehemiah was cautious. He was cautious. He wasn't, ideal, uh, he wasn't idealistic. He wasn't foolish or impulsive. He was cautious. He was the kind of man that wasn't going to take too many chances. And I suggest that caution is a good way to go through life. But he was also committed. He was committed. He was unwilling to stop or be detracted. Being cautious is important. Being committed is important. But you know what the most important thing is? Being consistent. See, if after five times he had said, all right, all right, already, he wouldn't have been consistent. And I have seen, and I, and I mentioned this just with little kids especially, it's consistency that they understand. If they go to bed at 7.30, and they go to bed at 7.30 every night, 
there usually isn't a problem at 7.30. But let it slide one or two nights. Go to 8.15 one or two nights, and it's holy hell, because you buckled. Mom, can I have chocolate? No. Can I have chocolate? No. All right, have the chocolate. Forget it. You're done. Because you know what they're going to do, right? It's going to be mom, 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 until they get what they want. Well, that's how the enemy works, too. He just kind of comes at us over and over again until we buckle. If you don't buckle, you'll stay strong. So cautious, yes. Committed, yes. Consistent. Not weak or worn down over time. And there, Nehemiah becomes a wonderful example. Look at the way he responds. Verses 8 through 9. We can learn a lot here. I sent them this reply, Nehemiah writes. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your own head. Lies. I just, I love the fact that he didn't defend himself. It's it's not true. Just not true. And here's what Nehemiah says. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. He understood what they were up to. He ignored it. He stayed with the, with the plan. And he didn't get involved in that debate. And he wasn't going to meet with them out in some village somewhere to talk about it. Or anywhere to talk about it. In fact, he didn't talk about it. He just said, it's not happening. You're making it up. It's really hard to deal with a guy like that. Someone like that is so strong that it's really kind of difficult to deal with them. And that's why the walls got built. You understand the walls were built for a reason because Nehemiah was a man who wouldn't be distracted. He was, as we said, cautious. Yes, he was cautious, but he was committed and consistent. And those character attributes are what enabled him to be the man that God used to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. So he accused them of making up lies in order to pressure him to meet, and he knew that their enemies were just trying to frighten them. See, that's the other thing the enemy tries to do, make you afraid When you feel the world, the news, the CDC is trying to make you fear and be afraid, anybody in this world, when they try to make you afraid, take a deep breath and recognize there's only one enemy that wants you to be afraid. It's the devil. When you start making choices out of fear and decisions out of fear, you end up with the last couple years we've had in this nation. You start doing things that a couple years later you realize were the stupidest things anyone could have done. And it's amazing now because they just look back and say, oh, we didn't know any better. Oh, yes, you did. You just didn't want to. And there were people opening up their mouths like Nehemiah saying, just making this stuff up. But no, we were crazy. Turns out we weren't. You see, I think it's so important that you understand the enemy will try to pressure you will try to weaken you by making you afraid. So don't allow yourself to be afraid. One of the phrases in the Bible that's used over and over again, some translations it's be not afraid. Some of some fear not. I like that. Just fear not. Fear not. God is with you. Do not be dismayed. God is with you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Whom then shall I fear? You see, those are the words we need to get from Scripture so that we're not making decisions based on anxiety. Have you noticed that any time you make a decision based on fear and anxiety, it never goes well? It it doesn't, because it won't, because the enemy's trying to make you afraid. And, And we're trying to keep them from completing the walls. 
They were trying to keep them from the work that God had called them to do. He prayed to God, and he asked him to strengthen his hands. Look at the last part of verse 9. He says, but I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. I love Nehemiah's prayers. They're kind of short and to the point. I prayed, now strengthen my hands. When you're faced with fear and anxiety, pray. Oh, but you can't pray. You might have a contagious germ. More than ever, we needed to be praying. And we were praying during that time. This was a really great place to be during the pandemic. I'm not going to lie. Calvary Chapel was a very nice place to be during the pandemic. I was here all the time. All right? I never missed a service. And you know what I, what I learned? When we came together, we were just encouraged because we didn't allow the enemy to isolate and alienate us from one another. Yeah, we used online tools a, a degree some people were more afraid than others, but, but I was here every Sunday. And some of you came, and we didn't turn anybody away. We were never really closed. You know what I've learned? I've learned that you just can't give in to fear. It'll destroy you, because it's the enemy that's behind it. I learned a lot through the last couple of years. And I'm glad to say I'm very happy with where we are as a church and the things we've come through and the decisions we made along the way. It wasn't always easy, but here we are. The walls remain intact. And the walls that Nehemiah was building were being completed in record time because Nehemiah prayed and asked God to strengthen his hands. Well, then Nehemiah was warned, oh, you need to hide. You need to hide. You need to quarantine. You you need to go into hiding. Look at verse 10. And this is so insidious, the way they went about it, right? One day I went to the house of Dr. Fauci. No, I'm sorry. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delaiah. I couldn't resist. The son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. Wow. Fear much? Nehemiah was warned to hide in the temple from the enemies of the Israelites. He was visiting what turned out to be a false prophet named Shemaiah, who's hiding inside his own home. He doesn't want to leave the house because the enemies are coming to kill him. Well, Shemaiah tried to convince Nehemiah to hide with him in the temple in order to escape this assassination attempt. As Nehemiah was completing the work that God had called them to do, his enemies tried to intimidate him, to intimidate him. And our enemy will try to intimidate anyone who will complete God's work. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. A person that completes God's work will withstand the intimidation of God's enemies. And Nehemiah did. And look at the way Nehemiah confidently answered Shemaiah and how he prayed to God to judge his enemies. Look at verses 11 through 14. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He was getting paid. He was getting paid to say untrue things. Hard to imagine in our world, right? Untrue things 
to scare Nehemiah. They didn't know who they were dealing with. He had been hired, he says, to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. So if he went into hiding, what do you think they would do? Oh, look at Nehemiah. He doesn't trust God. You know, after they used a false report to try to convince him to go into hiding, the first thing they would have, do, would have done is expose him for going into hiding. Nehemiah was not going to be dissuaded from what God had called him to do. He refused to run away and hide in order to save his life. He knew that God had not sent this man and that he had been hired by these enemies. Sambal and Tobiah had hired him to intimidate Nehemiah into hiding in the temple. And of course he would have sinned by not trusting God and by not completing the walls of Jerusalem, which is what God had called them to do. That's why during the pandemic, I was like, look, God has called me to teach and God has called me to pastor this church. I'm not going to stop doing it. I mean, we're not going to be stupid, but we're not going to just because the enemy tells us we got to stop. We're we're just not going to stop doing what God has called us to do. And I know there was a while there where we didn't know what was going on, but pretty shortly after that, we figured it out. And I think we just need to continue to trust God and, and not go into hiding, ever. He would have damaged his reputation and his enemies would have discredited him. You know what's really sad? I had a conversation with uh, another pastor recently who was sharing with me that a lot of churches, a lot of Calvary chapels are really suffering. Really, really suffering because they closed down for so long the church just sort of died out. It's happening all over. The enemy, the enemy was pretty smart about what he did to the church in our culture. And what's sad is a lot of these very healthy churches are no longer very healthy anymore. They probably all got COVID anyway. I want you to think about what the enemy did over the last couple of years to the church. Well, what church is allowed to happen? It's sad, but we can learn some things from Nehemiah. Hopefully we won't have to go through this again, but if we ever do, hopefully we've learned something. Well, he prayed to God. He asked God to judge his enemies. Look at verse 14. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. He's praying that God would be just, that he would judge his enemies. Tobiah and Sambalat used deception to try to discredit him. Noadiah and all the false prophets were trying to intimidate him. All these people were trying to get him to buckle. And he said, Lord, remember them. Deal with them. You know, the Bible doesn't say that we shouldn't pray for judgment. It just says that we should look for God to do it, not us. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, and he will. And you can pray, Lord, deal with these people. You know, when, when some of these people get in trouble or discredited or go to jail for some of the things they do, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not praying for mercy. I'll put, you, put it to you that way. I'm praying that they are punished to the fullest extent of the, of the law for the, for the unjust things they've done whether that be related to the pandemic or politics or whatever in our, in our country, or the wickedness happening in our schools, so much out there. I pray they all get busted. And that's how Nehemiah prayed. Well, finally, and we'll close with this, because Nehemiah resisted the enemy, we read in verses 15 through 19 that Nehemiah and the Jews completed rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And see, that's the result. When you don't give in to the enemy's schemes, you complete the work that God has called you to do. 
And that's a beautiful thing. Look what happens here. Let's look at verses 15 through 16. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. I love that. Everybody thought it was impossible. He got it done in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. Who's afraid now? And lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Amen? See, that's supposed to be the testimony of the church. That when the world looks at what God is accomplishing through us, they're afraid. Because they recognize we're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they can't stop us. I love that. What a victory. Nehemiah and the builders completed rebuilding the wall despite the opposition of the enemies of Israel in 52 days. The entire wall. And when the enemies heard this, they were afraid. They lost confidence in themselves. They knew they were up against God. They realized that the Jews had completed the wall with the help of God. And that's what we want the enemy to realize. That the things we accomplish in the Spirit are accomplished in the Spirit. And by the Spirit. And for God's glory. Well, part of the problem was, and now we're told this in verses 17 through 19, that the Jews had been infiltrated by a few people who were working for the enemy. You know, that happens sometimes. Even within the church, sometimes it happens. We have people on the inside bringing people down. Look at verses 17 through 19. Nehemiah writes, Also in those days the nobles of Judah, by the way, that's the leaders of the people, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, And replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, that is, they were indebted to him, since he was the son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son, Jehoahan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Barakiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. So, Nehemiah is venting a little. He's saying the reason they got any traction at all is because there were people within the body of God's people that were betraying God's people and Nehemiah. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. And that is the saddest thing of all. When the people who are supposed to be trusting God actually work against God's work, you have to question, are they really God's people? Are they? Are they confused? They're being used by the enemy, that's for sure. Nehemiah was aware that he could trust no one. He couldn't trust the nobles of Judah. He couldn't trust the leaders. He had to fight against the leaders in order to get the work done on behalf of the people. I know it's so hard for us to imagine a world where our leaders are corrupt, right? Tobiah was an enemy of God and of his people Israel. The nobles of Judah were in communication with Tobiah while the Jews rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. Almost like Twitter communicating with the Democratic Party, right? It's amazing. When we look at our world today, not much has changed. There's corruption on every level. Don't lose hope. God's still in control. Amen? You know, I read the newspaper and I think, same old story. Enemy doesn't have too many tricks. Kind of plays the same tricks over and over again. Corruption is a big one. Working from the inside through infiltration. Paying people off to work against us. To bring us as a nation or as a church to our knees. 
Oh, but God is so much bigger than all of that corruption. Amen? You need to know that. Hey, the wall was rebuilt. Can I hear an amen? And the Nehemiah, Nehemiah and the Jews, they were victorious because they trusted God. These men, these leaders, were loyal to Tobiah because he and his son had married into prominent Jewish families. That was done for political and financial reasons. And they had tried to convince Nehemiah that Tobiah, oh, he's a good guy. Oh, you're being too tough on Nehemiah. Uh, uh, Nehemiah, you're being too tough on Tobiah. You know, you could just see it. You could just hear it. Meanwhile, they're betraying his confidence. They're going and reporting to Tobiah everything Nehemiah says. They're spies, really, is what they are. Tobiah had sent letters to try to intimidate Nehemiah as well. We know that. We've talked about that. So he wasn't a good man. He was an awful human being. So why would they say he wasn't? Because they're corrupt, and that's how it goes. As Nehemiah was completing the work that God had called them to do, his enemies tried to deceive him. That's what was going on. And by the way, he's called the deceiver. The devil's called the deceiver for a reason, because he's a liar. Our enemy will try to deceive anyone who will complete God's work. You have to be on guard, because deception is one of the devil's tricks. He loves to deceive. Nehemiah experienced tremendous spiritual victory over his enemies because a person that completes God's work will withstand the deception of God's enemies. But you you can't give up. You can't give in. Victory over his enemies only forced them to be more creative. And that's what happened. And the enemy only changed his tactics, not his position. He still had as a goal to keep the wall from being rebuilt. Now, the wall separated them physically, but the emotional and familial ties still remained. So now they have the walls up, right? But there's those behind the wall, behind the wall that's supposed to protect them that were working against them. So we'll see as we go through the rest of this book, he had to deal with a lot of that because that still has to be dealt with. He had to drain the swamp, right? He had to get rid of those people that were working from the inside against the work of God. Listen, strongholds in our lives are not easily broken, even after we repent. There are things in our lives that, even if we're sorry for, they have a hold on us. And we need to know that, just like Nehemiah was victorious, we can be victorious in our own lives, within the church, even within our culture, if we continue to trust God and withstand the opposition of the enemy. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful example of Nehemiah who clearly trusted you in the face of opposition. Lord, today, as Christians in this culture, we face a lot of opposition. And it's increasing every day. And we may despair, and yet we shouldn't. We know that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Just like you completed the building of the walls in 52 days. There's things you'll do in our lives if we'll just trust you. And there's things you'll do in the church if we'll just trust you. And there's things you'll do in our world if we just trust you. The enemy cannot be victorious over us if we trust in you. So Lord, give us strength. Help us to trust you. Help us to Stand firm and stand fast. That we might glorify you with our hearts and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.